for me, I've learned that I can have it all. I actually can be a great mum. I can have a great business. I can be a fantastic wife and I can actually look after myself. You just have to focus on those things and really compartmentalise your, your life and just every day, just a little bit of focus in each of those regions and you can have everything. You've just got to be patient and have a plan. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for Real Estate Industry Sales Professionals, Property Managers and Leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, Visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. We have a pretty special guest on today's show that also happens to be our winter edition cover story, and that's Rebecca Holton of LJ Hooker City Residential in Perth, WA. With almost 25 years of real estate experience, Rebecca is the CEO of three successful franchises and is also this year's winner of the Elite Agent 30-Day Accelerate Challenge. So, Beck, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast, particularly after your recent success at Accelerate. So tell us, how did you find the most recent program? So I've done a few now, so it was um, it was good to get back into it. I found, I found this one probably the most life-changing because of my situation, I think, going into it and where I was. And it's the first time I actually stood back and I wasn't in it to win it. I was in it to actually change what I was doing. I had a real sense of purpose and what I wanted to get out of it. So I think that helped. Um, and it's funny and I won, you know, like so <laughs> I kind of stepped away from winning and it, and it just happened because I was just focusing daily on what I needed to do to get the best out of myself, not thinking about what is everyone else doing, you know, looking at the leaderboard. I just let that all go and I focused on my daily routines and what I was doing. That's really interesting, actually, because that's one of the big lessons that everyone says in the real estate industry, don't focus on the outcome, but rather focus on the process. Such a good lesson and one that we, I think, as real estate professionals need to relearn constantly. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's always saying it's the big picture and your why and 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 that's always good to look at. But And if you, you can't lose sight of that, but I think... Yeah, you need to look at your daily and your even your hourly. What are you doing hourly that's productive or trying not to be productive, which was my case, and taking time out of the business and looking at, you know, some personal stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, like so many agents, you've got a lot of competing priorities in your life. You're a mum to two young boys. I think they're both under two, right? They are. Up until... Two weeks when my eldest turns two. (laughs) (laughs) You then, yeah, so there's a period of time where you can say that, but still I I take my hat off to you. It's an amazing, um, you know, amazing being able to run three businesses and also manage a family. What were some of the major takeaways from Accelerate in helping you sort of get some balance back into your life? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest thing, and I think you do it on in most of your programs is your daily habits and your daily declaration to yourself. And, and this is something I continue to do and, and have 
you know, tried to spread this out to the team. And it's just getting up in the morning, you know, not having your phone next to you. That I find quite hard because my baby monitors <laughs> are on my phone. There's an yeah. app for that. Yep. So during, you know, to, so I'm true to my word, I make my husband put the monitor on his phone. So I am true to say I do start the day analog, but it's just starting the day, taking control of that, I think. Um, you know, as a mum, it's very easy to lose control of your time. As a business leader, it's very easy to lose control of your time. So if you're both of those things, you know, and everyone's a leader in their business, you don't actually have to have the title, but you just can lose control very quickly. So I think the best thing from, you know, Transform and Accelerate is to sit back and just take control of the smallest thing you can. Not try and control everything, just take control of one thing and if that's how you start your day, everything else just seems to fall into place. So, you know, during my previous transforms, I probably, I tried and then it didn't work and I tried again and then I just committed to it this this one, um, the, the most recent one, and it really, it just was a non-negotiable. Even if I had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I started analogue, I wrote down my daily declaration, I revisited what I want to achieve out of the day and then everything else just fell into place a lot easier. Mm. It's amazing how it actually works. Like I can, I can tell you, I'd, I'd sort of follow the same habits myself most of the time. And the days that I don't write down my priorities of a morning, generally stuff doesn't get done. But the days that I do, even if I forget what they were, I'll go back and have a look at them and go, oh yeah, I did that. I did that. I did that. It's weird how it works. So strange. And the other one was getting rid of social media off my phone. You know, I'd gotten rid of during transform in the beginning of the year, I turned all the notifications off, but I hadn't actually deleted the apps. And then with Accelerate, I deleted the apps and it took about a week before I stopped logging on to have a look. (laughs) And I just couldn't believe how much time I got back. And eventually I just forgot about it. You know, I actually forgot about it until I had to do something for the business on social media or I got a, an email to say there was an invite to an event or something. So I tried to set it up that I wouldn't miss out on too much because so much is done via events and things now. And that just gave me, you know, I really found myself getting really cranky at my children if they interrupted me scrolling. Like how bad is that? I want something and I'm like, I'm really busy scrolling through other people's crap. Like I just, <laughs> I just had a real moment of you've got to get a grip. You know, it's not that important. And most of the stuff on social media makes you feel terrible anyway. You know, like you compare yourself to what, because it's everyone's highlight reels and just didn't have time or space for it in my head anymore. It's a really good lesson for sure. And so you won $5,000. What are you going to spend the money on? Well, I'm going to spend it on the team um, because I think my biggest lesson was putting yourself first and really looking after yourself so you can look after everyone else around you. And, you know, I quickly realised that I'm not the only person in that situation. Like, you know, 99.95% of our team is in that situation, whether they're single mums, single dads, have no children, have children, whatever it is, I think they always feel that they need to put our business first, which is a great thing, but it's also terrible for culture. It's good and, you know, it's so counterintuitive. So, I'm spending the money on doing a day on with the team on how to get their head right, get their work on their health, their wealth, whatever they want to work on. That's going to be incorporated. And I've got some speakers who are going to come in and, and really work with the team on that. And then what I've decided to do, and, and it's not the prize money as such, is, you know, every, I just want to give everybody eight hours every quarter 
that they can use in work time to work on themselves. So whether they want to do some volunteering or go to the gym or go for a walk along the beach, I don't care how they spread their eight hours out, but we're going to give that back to them and say it's for you and you've got to do something for yourself, not for your family. It can't be for someone else. And they have to send me a photo with the hashtag I was selfish today. So that's all I'm asking. So we're just going to try and build more of a culture around it's okay to be selfish for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't wait to see some of those photos um, coming through (laughs) because I reckon that there's a lot of scope there, Beck. Are you ready for it? There's a lot of scope, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that uh, I'll make sure our marketing team um, clear the hashtags before they're (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your career because although you're young and you've got a young family, but you've been in the real estate industry for like 25 years and you're a second generation agent. How did you get your start in the real estate industry? Yeah, so my mum was a real estate agent and she's always worked for LJ Hooker. So I grew up knowing the brand and, and she was a very successful salesperson. And then when I when I asked her, she had her own business, I asked her if I could come in and be part of the business and she said no. Um, she thought I was just trying to get a job and, and probably was, you know, to a certain extent. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I'd finished all my study and you know, I saw mum as a really successful person, but I, I was also highly aware of the hours she did because she missed out on a lot growing up. You know, she wasn't there for our soccer games and school events. And so I, I saw that side of it as well. Anyway, she said no. And I went to the LJ Hooker office down the road and I asked them for a job. And I tried not to let on who I was, Sue Freeman's daughter, but they knew straight away. But <laughs> they gave me a start and I did. I started... Um, just doing some part-time reception work for them. And then within a couple of weeks, they offered me like a lead generation role. So I went into that and then a property manager left and they asked me to go into that. I did that for seven days. I hated it. I was really honest with them. I'm not organised enough. I'm just not that type of person. So I went back into lead generation and then I pretty much started selling when I was 18 and then I think I made the LJ Hooker Captain's Club within my first two or three years and then mum recruited me back very quickly. <laughs> I, be- I bet she did. And you studied auctioneering as well. You're an auctioneer. Yeah. So when I was a bit younger, I had a mentor of mine who um, LJ Hook started doing some auctioneering competitions and they had a rookies and a, and an icon. So they had Idol and Icon. And um, he just sent me an email and said, I bet you can't, you know, and oh. I like, okay right so I did I just started in the in the rookie competitions and I did quite well and I really enjoyed it so I just did competition auctioneering for a couple of years and then I went and got my license and started to call auctions yeah which I absolutely love doing I don't do as many now because my weekends are so precious to me with my kids but I'll call auctions for my team I just don't outsource myself anymore yeah, yeah, fair enough too. And um, fun fact, you mentioned soccer games, but you're, from my understanding, you once had the Olympics in your sights in <laughs> in soccer. I did. So before I become a real estate agent, <laughs> I, um, I, I did. I, I represented Australia and I was very keen on being at the 2000 Olympics, which was when soccer was a demonstration sport, women's soccer, but injury and whole lot of other things got in the way. So I ended up just being at the 2000 Olympics as a volunteer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was, you know, I still got there. I just wasn't in the green and gold. So yeah, my head and my heart wanted something and my body just wouldn't allow it. Yeah. But still the Sydney Olympics, what a time to be alive. I remember it well. By far the most amazing thing I've ever been to. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Home, of course, is in Perth now and you've, you're have you running three successful LJ Hooker franchises and there's been a lot of growth in your business in the last few years. So I thought we'd do something a bit special today, something that we used to do called the Leadership Diaries. I thought we'd, we'd bring that back just for you. And this is where we sort of ask leaders such as yourself some rapid fire questions for other leaders or aspiring leaders to learn from. And I know you haven't seen these, but that's that's okay. the fun. <laughs> right. That's that's the fun of it. Okay, so right. um, so are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, what's the most important thing you're working on now, and how you're making that happen? So, building my sales team definitely, and I am recruiting rookies. We are going all in with rookies and growing them and taking them through you know our systems and processes. What was your first job and what did it teach you? My first job was wrapping fish and chips and calling out their order numbers. And I guess it helped my auctioneering. I get, if I look back, number 36, your fish and chips. <laughs> um, but that it, it actually taught me, you know, I, I got to earn some money on the weekends and it really did teach me the link between money and work. And, you know, I was very grateful for that when I was about 14 and a half, I think. <laughs> yeah. What's one common myth about real estate or about leadership that you'd like to set straight? I think a common myth about leadership is that it's the best job in the business and you don't really have to work hard. And I think it's a very lonely world at the top and and you're never going to be able to make friends with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I think being a leader in the business is definitely the hardest role in terms of making sure the welfare of all your team is where it should be. We've discussed this a little bit, but what does the first hour of your day look like and how does it go after that? Yes. So my first hour of the day pretty much looks like up feeding kids, you know, getting my kids out of bed. My eldest has just gone into his big bed, so he's usually banging on the door. (laughs) My youngest is usually screaming for a bottle. So it, it is very hectic, but I do try and get up before them, which it really depends on the night I've had with them. And if I do, if I'm able to get up, it's getting up, writing down something I'm grateful for, looking at my intention for the day and where can I fit in an hour of me time? Am I going to do a Pilates? Am I going to do a podcast on the way into work? Like, how does that look? Because I need to have that. Yeah. Who are three people that have been most influential to you on your leadership journey? So my mum, definitely. Number one, she um, she's not only taught me about real estate and leadership, but she's taught me to be a good person and a good mum. And, and that that's far more important to me than anything. Frank Newton, my business partner here in Perth, you know, he's 70-something. I won't give away his age, but he's still got the energy of a 45-year-old and he has taught me about legacy and how important that is to work towards, you know, leaving good legacy. And, you know, I I probably want to say my kids now, they have to be there. They, they've taught me more about leadership than anybody in the world and probably starting to teach me more about negotiation than anyone else has been able <laughs> to teach me. So um, I think if you, you, you become a far better negotiator when you have your children. Yeah, I think, uh, I think on the whole kids are the best negotiators in the world and the best marketers in the world too. It's true. They do not give up on negotiation. But yeah. why? But why? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Looking back, what do you think was your biggest mistake in growing your business and what did you learn from it? I think the biggest mistake was when cash flow isn't isn't an issue, I think you throw people at problems. So cash flow isn't an issue. Someone comes to you with a problem. You can generally fix that with plugging a new person into the business. And we did that during our good times early on, you know, in the last decade. And then 
when the market shifted in Perth and it came back very quickly, we looked at the business and we got rid of three to four hundred thousand dollars in salaries and the business didn't change. So we were so top heavy in people. And what we learned through that is how we can be so much more efficient, whether it's you know, with more technology, better systems, better processes. So now that the market's turned and we are super efficient, we are more profitable than we've ever been. Yeah, amazing. In the early days, what do you think, or even now, what's the most important risk that you took? Um, oh, look, I think we take risk every day on employing new people. I also took a risk of getting rid of those big manage, managers out of the business, you know, and we looked at that and we, the more of those people I got rid of, the more that came back onto me. So that was a big risk. But look, I think if you're not taking risks, you're not growing. So we're always happy to take good calculated risk. Some of them haven't paid off and it's generally with people. You know, looking at management roles, we've put on some people that we think these guys are going to be able to work with us and move forward and they haven't and being in separate geographical offices, sometimes you let them go too much and it goes, yeah, it, it doesn't work out and then there's a lot of work for us to go in and try and rebuild. Usually people is the biggest risk for us, yeah. We're going to move on to people now. So what's your favourite question to ask someone in a job interview and what does it tell you about them? Oh, favourite question. For me, I always ask them what their parents would be most proud of. However they answer that tells me a lot about their values. So, you know, I always say to someone, if I was sitting here with your parents, what would be the thing that they tell me they're most proud of? Um, And it's not usually the thing I'm looking for. It's how they answer and speak about their Their parents parents. or or their brother or their sister or whoever it is that they would, you know, want them to say. So that's a really good one. And my other question is, if you're not successful, what are you going to do? And I like to think if they say they're still going to continue pursuing this career, that makes me really happy. They, if they say things like, oh, I'll just look for another career, well, that's, you know, I just think they're just here for a job. Yeah. So probably those two questions. Yeah, great questions. How do you help new employees understand the culture of your business? Yeah, so we have a induction program which is around, you know, obviously my office manager looks after them day-to-day, come in, this is your phone, your desk, how we lock up everything, how it all works. Um, I generally try and book in like a lunch with that person in their first month um, where it's just them and I and they can have half an hour of my time and any questions they've got. But for us it's more, you know, I have a very flexible culture and it's hard for me with new people to explain what that means to me I have no time for anyone who watches the clock I actually don't care when you come to work or when you go home you get paid a certain amount to do a certain job and how you do that's up to you because I don't want a culture of clock it just drives me insane and you know I try and let everyone know that it's none of their business what anyone else in the business is doing they just have to focus on getting their job done so it works really well in some parts of the business, in other parts, you know, and especially if they've come to us from another business that it's been a clock watching um, culture, it does take a while for them to, if someone comes to me and says, someone left at 4.30 yesterday, I, go, I actually don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've worked really hard to try and get that culture into the business where this is your role, this is what your responsibilities are, how and when you do that actually doesn't worry me as long as it gets done. A lot of people don't get it when they first get in, 
but once they get used to it, they appreciate it. They can work from home. They can work from wherever they like. But if I start to get complaints, we rein it back in. I was going to ask you, I mean, this is not part of the the Leadership Diaries questions, but you do have three offices. So how do you maintain culture across those three offices when you can't physically be in three places at once? Yeah, so our third franchise is a satellite office that just runs through our city office. So we only have two geographic offices and they are an hour away from each other. They're not just down the road. So lots of Zoom meetings. I do run them as two different There are two different businesses. So what we do in the city, we don't do in Mandra, different cultures, different, you know, demographics. So we don't actually, we do some things together. We certainly try and come together and do some things, but they are run as two separate companies. I don't get to Mandra as much as I would like to. Frank does that for me. But I do go down there when when something important needs to happen. And I'm always on the phone. Zoom meetings are the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, and we always we've always got Facebook Messenger chats going and WhatsApp and yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the market's had a big turnaround in, in WA recently, but how do you motivate um your team when times are a little bit tough? Yeah. So I think this really came to light during COVID when COVID first hit and everyone was not sure. <laughs> now well, now we know. Now if we go into lockdown, it's easy. The doors get locked and business as usual. But when we first went in you know, there was so much fear in the teams and I could feel it around, am I going to have a job tomorrow? So my constant message to everybody was all I'm trying to do is keep everybody in a job because we didn't know how long it was going to, you know, everyone knows what it was like. But And I really found motivating people under that fear was really hard. So the lessons I learned from that, I've continued to grow around to motivate a, a team, I feel, and I think, I can't remember if someone in Accelerate or Transform, but someone said you'll never outgrow the energy of your business leader. Was it maybe Tom from LJ Hooker? Yeah. Can't oh, remember. It could, have, could have been quite a few of them. Could have been, yeah. So yeah. that was something that has resonated with me where I'm, it's up to me to, to be the energy and that's where we need to be. And, and so I can tell very quickly when someone's not in the same flow as us in the business and 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 I just take them aside it's just a coffee we talk about what's going on it's usually something going on outside of work and you know they might just need a mental health day or they might just need to hear that it's okay not to have all your shit together (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I guess you just reinforced again how important it is to look after yourself and your own mental health particularly as a leader because you know your energy is is the team's energy Oh, absolutely. And it's and you've got to be aware that not everyone's going to get up at 5am and be sprightly. And that's okay. If they come in at 10am and they're sprightly, I'd prefer that than them come in at 8.30 and they're grumpy. You know, and if you run out of battery at three o'clock, that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. just be okay with it. Know your energy um, and don't let your energy affect others. That's that's a big cultural point in our business. If you If I see you walking around with the grumps, I'm going to ask you to go home. Just take it away and come back when you're ready. And that's okay. We've we've got permission from all of us to call each other out on that. Amazing. You just mentioned that you're doubling down on on the rookie angle and we met a couple of your rookies (laughs) during Accelerate. They're amazing. But what words of advice would you have for other leaders who are training or mentoring, um, you know, people new to real estate? I really like rookies because they're so eager. If you've got the right person, they're eager, they're keen, they're clean slates and you can just teach them systems and processes that work. I don't have anything against 
experienced people as well. I welcome them into the business. But I feel with our rookies, you know, they can learn scripts and dialogues and they can learn what they need to do, daily habits and stuff. But it's just keeping their um, their mental states on track because they it's hard. Like it's so hard. If I look at my rookies now and I see them and they're doing the calls and the cold calls and the prospecting. And then, you know, I've got some really successful salespeople that just come in and write up listings and sales like it's, you know, so easy to do. So you've got to try and get them to not compete against these really good established agents. Yeah. Um, so I've got some communications that go out to the rookies alone um, around who's doing something really well within that group. Yeah. So it's not just, a, oh, my God, Brendan Smith wrote 10 deals in the last week. Yay for him. It's more, you know, Kyle's done 75 calls this week. He's connected with this many people and he's booked this many appointments. So I try and make sure my comms are really um, not too demotivating for the new people. But it also, I, you know, I also send out some comms to the established people about what these new people are doing and how they're having great success because they need to come back to basics sometimes as well. Yeah, that's really a really great lesson too. Is not to compare your day one to someone's day five hundred. Oh, like, yeah, and you know. how? I mean, I still do it now. I still look at businesses that are writing double our our income, and I try and compare. And then you've just got to come back and go, no, well, they weren't always there. So where were they when they were at this size? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to learning, um, what are resources or books that have helped you along along the way to get you where you are? Yeah, so the first book I was ever given by my dad to read was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, you know, Dale Carnegie, you can't, I could still pick out that book today and learn something from it. I've probably read it over 20 times. And so that book, I think that book is my best life book. Very simple, just how to treat people, you know, and lots of lessons from that. More recently, Atomic Habits, you know, I, I've read that four or five times. That book alone has, you know, changed how I do things. And and it's actually helped me understand how to coach people a lot better. I think, um, you know, if I looked at it as a from a leader, not a personal way, and I think that's been really good. So, yeah, I, I think How to Win Friends over the last 20 years has been a Bible and Atomic Habits more recently has been something that I could pick up and just open at any page and just roll with it for a while. Yeah, one of my favourites too. What is one thing you'd wish you had known when you began your career in real estate? I wish I had more patience. I was so impatient when I was younger and I wish I'd done more of the hard stuff earlier. I did it, but it took me a long time to learn that the hard work pays off. And, you know, if I, oh, I wish I had transformed 20 years ago. <laughs> I could have started my career with something like that. No, I think I think just if I could look back at myself at 18 and just say, just have patience, it will come, it does come, do the right thing every day and stay on track with that and it will come. And, you know, I'm really excited. My kids are so young and impressionable and I'm really excited to try and pass on that wisdom. They probably won't listen, but try and pass on, you know, that um, and, and that's just through doing it ourselves and my husband and I making sure that daily we are sticking to what we want to achieve and, I just wish someone had told me to be a bit more patient. Back when I, I was commission-only salesperson and it was like, if you don't do this, you're not going to get paid and you're not going to eat. And that's how we got trained and it worked because you didn't have a choice. But if someone just told me to be a little bit more patient, I think I would have done some better foundation work. So speaking of the husband, um, 
where to next for the business and for you personally in the next year? Yes. So the world's worst kept real estate secret is that my husband is coming into the business. He's been working in a corporate role with REA for a very long time. And we've decided that now's the time for him to come in and he's going to sell and, and grow, you know, that biz, his business. So we're really excited for that. He's had Obviously, there's been some things that have set him back, so he won't be starting until late this year. So he's helping out at home a lot now just to get the kids through the next year. Yeah, we're so excited about our business. The best thing I think I've ever done is I've, I kind of made myself redundant at one point when I was having the kids and, um, you know, I, I was still working in hospital and I, I was still working, but I had such great people around me that I felt like, when I came back one day from maternity leave, I felt like I was just sitting there doing nothing because everything was just humming around me. And I was like, oh, this is a really bad place to be. I've got to find some work to do. What am I doing? Everyone's going to look at me. What's she doing? And I spoke to Frank, my business partner, who, you know, he made himself redundant 10 years ago when I came on board. But he said, that's the best place you can be. And, you know, you've done it at 40. So most people try and do that, you know, when they're 65, 70. So I actually turned it into a positive and thought, okay, well, I just need to work on strategy and growth and I've got plenty of time to do that. So I'm starting to look for a coach, someone who can hold me accountable and take us to the next level because that can't be my husband. And it can't be my business partner, Frank, because he's like a dad to me. He's a granddad to my boys. So I want to look for an outsourced person who can, yeah, really sort of ask me the tough questions and not let me get away with too much because we're in a really comfortable, very profitable business, but I'd like to double that. We've always said by 2025, we want to be at 5,000 properties under management. So yeah, that's doubling our business. So we've got a, got a bit of work to do in the next four years. The years are ticking very quickly. Yeah, that's a big goal, but they say if it doesn't scare you, it's, you know, it's not a big enough goal. Yeah, and it probably isn't big enough because it doesn't scare me because we've got such a good plug and play business, but it scares me because I think the time frame is creeping up very quickly. So I'm happy with that. And if if when well, when we get to that, it will be to double that again. And, and hopefully by 2030, I can boots off and just enjoy things for a little bit. A few soccer games with the next generation. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Might just be have a few glasses of wine. <laughs> I think you've earned it. Look, it's always great catching up with you and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with everyone today. It's incredible. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that um, have gotten a lot of, out of this and particularly some of the female leaders who would look at you, no doubt, and be completely inspired. And I have to say on behalf of Elite Agent and LJ Hooker and everyone that did Accelerate, we were all super inspired by you know, your journey and, and what you've done and, you know, you're an incredible leader. So thank you. Thank you. I, I just love it. And I'll be back next year. I'll just keep doing it and finding one thing to improve on and bringing my whole team with me, hopefully. So yeah, no, it's good. You And thank you guys. You guys just give back so much. It's, I get the magazine and I, I think I was thinking about it the other day and it was Roxanne Patterson was on the cover back in twenty maybe 15, 14, I can't remember. She was an LJ Hooker rookie at the time. And I remember going, what is this magazine? And we got a copy in our bag at the conference. And from that day, I've looked forward to the issue coming out because there's just so much gold in it. It just, I'm just so excited to be on the cover of it. I never thought <laughs> that would happen. I wrote it down as a goal and that was just, uh, oh my God, that means I've 
become successful in our industry goal. So I'm very excited. Thank you. Oh, I think everything happens at the right time for the right reason. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, I'll end with my final question to you, which is my final question to everyone on the show, is that is if there was something that you'd like to leave listeners with or an important takeaway that you'd like people to remember, what would it be? I think for me, I've learned that I can have it all. I I actually can be a great mum. I can have a great business. I can be a fantastic wife and I can actually look after myself you just have to focus on those things and really compact, you know, compartmentalise your, your life and just every day just a little bit of focus in each of those regions and you can have everything. You've just got to be patient and have a plan. Yeah, and it all adds up for sure, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. And it's if anyone tells you you can't be everything, I think you need to wipe them out of your life and go, actually, I can. I just need a plan around it. Yeah, totally. Beck mm-hmm. Holton, thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.